name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Happy Feast. Um, we'll talk more about the Feast of Palm Sunday, God willing, tomorrow in the liturgy. But I wanted to revisit, I know we did this last year, but it, it helps to do it regularly, right? Um, on how to benefit from, from the Holy Week. Because this is the most, obviously, holy time for us in the, in the church calendar. It's the only time in the church calendar where we have a, a, a sadness, right? Where we, where we decorate with black. There's no other time in the church that we use black in the church. Even on funerals, we don't do anything like that. Everything is always um, joyous and, and celebratory. And in Holy Week, we are celebrating certain things, but it's the church wanting to enter deeply into the life of Christ. When I went on my first retreat to a monastery as a teenager, the monk who's in charge of the retreat house said to us very plainly, if you have a retreat and you leave not being different than when you came, you did something wrong. And I want to extend that to, to the great Lent as a whole and specifically to Holy Week. If something isn't different for you, at the end of Holy Week, you probably haven't entered into it completely and, and, and fully. Um, many of you have heard of Tan Samira, um, who passed away um, two years ago now. Tan Samira used to spend all of Holy Week um, in the church, and she would only leave because of her health near the end for the Feast of the Resurrection. Um, but she was the first to be there, the last to leave. And so deep was her love for Pascha that when her health was really bad, um, the last year of her life, and she physically was unable to go to the church. I don't usually like to talk about some of these things publicly, but this, this happened. Um, Pope Krullus um, came to her room because of her sadness about not being able to attend. And he took her icon of, of Christ's suffering, um, which I'm fortunate enough to have taken from her room when she passed away. And he set it up for her. He pulled out her drawer and had it stood up. And he put two candles with it and, and um, things from, from the church um, and, and prayed with her some of the hours of Pascha because she was unable to go. In fact, I want to possibly use that picture, even though it's broken, um, during the, the Holy Week um, because of the blessing that it took from His Holiness Pope Krodlus. But this is how deep her love was for Pascha that even the saints recognized this and honored it. So I'm saying this is a very big deal. It's something that we, we often just feel like comes and goes, but if we enter into it deeply, um, we'll benefit something completely different. The first thing to, to, to be able to benefit, otherwise you'll find that it's just a whole lot of randomness, right, is to understand the background of, of what's going on, right, is that we're, the Holy Week is leading us to, to the, the sacrament of Eucharist, the sacrament of, of, of baptism, right, was also taking us to our understanding of redemption and salvation, right, because we're celebrating the incarnation in its glory, right, in Christmas, the Feast of the Nativity, we're celebrating His coming to earth, right, but then during this week, we're looking at why did He even come, Right? What, what is the reason that, that Christ even had to come? And so the readings of the church are going to take us through the whole history of the world. Right? We're going to go back to the very beginning and look at Adam and Eve. And why did, what did God want? Why did God create? Right? What was his intention? What did he want from humanity? And what went wrong? Right? And we'll then revisit what did go wrong. Right? Is that man, as usual, chose himself over others. He chose himself before God. He chose to have selfishness over love. Right? And that God didn't stop speaking to man. Right? And so we'll, we'll look at the progression of his people. That he says, okay, well let me deal with you as a people. 
right? And then we find that the people still reject him, right? And then we'll hear, we'll read about, especially on Tuesday, the day of the Lord, right? Where it's like, okay, I, I'm not okay with sin, right? Sin is, is, not, is not part of your identity, right? And so we read about the flood and then the renewal after the flood, right? Of the, the reboot, the restart of humanity. And how even then, humanity isn't happy. And so Christ, our God, is forced to make a deal with individuals, which was not what he wanted. It was not his original plan. So we'll read about the call of Abraham, right? And we'll read about what the nation of Israel um, became as a result of this, that God wanted to save all his people, but he said, I will work through this people of Abraham. I will work through the Israelites. And that then the Israelites themselves, even after such a covenant, reject him and say, we don't want you, we want a king. Right? You're okay, but we want a king. Everyone else has a king. We want glory. We want riches. We want fame. We want power. We want victory in a war. We want chariots. We want gold. This is what we want. Right? And that God says, fine, have it. Right? But please keep your relationship with me. Right? And that the, that the people of God, the chosen people for whom he has been working miraculously for centuries, say we don't care anymore. And they turn his back on him. Right? And they begin following all of the other gods. Right? Even some of the greatest of these. Look at King Solomon, and we'll read about that. Right? How even those who have been exposed to so much can be given so much and start off so close to God and choose to leave. And so we'll start to see the readings shift from that to saying, you're not keeping the deal, you're not keeping the covenant, and this isn't working, and I'm going to have to fix it. Right? But at the same time, the church uses it to expose us to how we are exactly like these people. Right? We're no different than the Jews were in the Old Testament. And we'll read a whole bunch of prophecies that will talk about how they're going wrong. And you'll read about our Lord begging the people, right? saying, please come back. And he'll use the imagery over and over of a lover, of a marriage. Right? And he'll, he'll speak of the nation of, of Israel as his spouse. Right? And he'll say, all right, write up the bill of divorce. I'm going to divorce you. Right? And then by the end of the same chapter, um, it'll be but you're going to say sorry and I'm going to accept and I'm going to forgive you, right? But can you please, can you respect me, right? On one of the days you'll see, you'll see Christ saying, or God, the, the Father saying, if I, am, if I am your God, where is the reverence that you show to a God? If you see me as a tyrant, okay, I'll take it, right? Treat me as a tyrant, okay? But even you don't show me the fear you should show a tyrant, right? If I'm a father, where's my dignity, you don't treat me like anything, right? And he's having this dialogue with the people, wanting them to come. And we'll see that the end result is that when we stray from God, we end up in exile, right? Because there's a literal story going on here, and there's a spiritual story going on here. Is that when the heart turns from God, it becomes captive, right? And so the people of God, when they, when they continually, continually refused him and his work, end up in exile in Babylon, right? And they were waiting for a great work of restoration to bring them back. Right? And it was in this exile when they returned right, that we, we sprout up the Pharisees and these, these figures that we're going to meet more intimately throughout the week and how they interact with, with God. Because after they returned from exile, right, they still didn't understand God. And we see this today and we're going to see it, we'll talk about it more tomorrow in the Gospel. They were confused right, because they thought that God was going to just give them stuff. They didn't understand what the big plan was. So understand the big picture. Okay? So whenever you're looking at the readings throughout the week, Right, is bring your mind into it and say, where is this in the whole story of salvation? Okay, and where does this fit in into where I am in my spiritual life? For sure, there's going to be something that you can connect to if you actually bring your mind and thoughts into it.
So today, obviously, we celebrate Palm Sunday, right? Then tomorrow evening will be the cleansing of the temple, right? Is casting out those from the temple that were changing the meaning of the house of God. Monday is the fig tree, right? Where God is condemning this fake righteousness, all right? Where you have lots of leaves and no fruit. Um, then we'll see Judas's deal with the Pharisees. This is why we fast Wednesday, right? Is, is in remembrance of, Christ, of Judas's betrayal. Thursday will be the institution of the Eucharist. Friday is the great feast of redemption. Saturday is another great feast that we don't talk about enough, the descent into Hades, okay? Um, and then, of course, ending with the feast of the resurrection. So the structure of the week, as we said, was Genesis and beginnings. Then we're going to look at what sin did, the disease of sin. Then there's going to be a big theme of the day of the Lord, okay? The day of reckoning, that you can do whatever you want, you have freedom, but there's a day where you have to deal with your consequences, Right, that every single one of us, no matter what it is, whether it's religious or not, no matter what you're doing, there's a day where you come face to face with your decisions, and this is the day of the Lord, right? Where you're, you're, you, you realize the full weight of what you are doing, um, and then a pleading with God between Him and His people, return to me and I will return to you, right? This is the big theme of Wednesday evening and Thursday of this pleading with God, and then Thursday, right, as we look at His, his real agony. Right, is that he spends his last supper with his friends, right, um, and then he's betrayed by his friends, right. He institutes for us the feast of the Eucharist and a baptism, and he washes their feet, right. And that even in his moment of need, that he's at the feet of the people, the divine image of, of service. And I want you all to meditate on these rules of Christ because they're they're beautiful. The next thing is the rites and the rubrics of the church. Okay. Um, I won't spend too much time, don't worry. Um, the church prepares the mood starting this morning with Lazarus Saturday, right? Where we, we've switched. Yesterday was the last day of Lent. We had the, the, the Saturday Lenten tune. Today was, was, was annual in the morning, right? Of, of bringing us into the narrative. The, the, the resurrection of Lazarus didn't actually happen right before um, Holy Week. It happened earlier, okay? But um, Lazarus was one of the reasons why... Um, the Jews wanted to kill Jesus even more. In fact, it says in the scripture they also wanted to kill Lazarus himself um, because so many people believed in Christ specifically because of that great um, miracle. And then we start walking through the journey with Christ. That's why we're taking it day by day like that. Now, Old Testament readings in the churches, you can understand what we're doing because sometimes it seems like it's, it's random. For example, anyone who came during a weekday liturgy, once we go to the Old Testament, we close the curtains, the lights turn off, Right, the candles are extinguished. Okay, and this is a symbol of the the darkness or the veil that was over everyone who lived in the Old Testament, not understanding the scriptures. Right, that they didn't know what this was a symbol of. Right, so they were doing rituals, they were doing sacrifices. They didn't know that Christ, the great High Priest, would be himself the sacrifice when they did it. When they were offering before the Lord, they didn't know what these things meant. They just knew they were supposed to do it, and so there is a veil. Right? The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles, suddenly they understood. Right? Suddenly Peter, who knew like nothing right, two weeks before, is suddenly saying, um, no, this is fulfilling the scripture, which said this, this, and this, and this, and this is why Zechariah said this, and this is why 
and, and becomes illuminated. So we are illuminated in the light of the New Testament, and that's why immediately when we switch to the New Testament, the curtains are open, the symbol of the veil is removed. There's no longer a veil between us and God. We can access God directly again. The lights are turned on again because we are illuminated by the light of the Holy Spirit. So all of the rites and rubrics that we do mean something. If there's something that you see you want to understand, ask the deacons, ask me, ask your parents, ask anybody, right? But try and understand it um, because they have very deep um, meanings. We also now take the whole church outside, right? Because Christ our Lord was killed outside of Jerusalem, right? So the whole church leaves Jerusalem and stands from without, um, obviously, with exceptions of sacramental things, we, we, we re-enter. The creed, this is, this is a point of contention. Um, we don't modify it. I like that tradition, to be honest, but it, it's against one of the ecumenical councils, so I understand why we don't. Um, but it just shows you how much the church got into the life of Christ. Is that even the creed, we would stop at certain points, not because we don't believe right, that any of those things happened, but in how... Literally, the church wanted to enter the life of Christ. So it would stop at who is crucified for us and go switch to, sw- straight to yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit, right? And then on, on, on Saturday, it would, it would be completed. We, we don't do that, but I like it. We'll also use more of the deuterocanonical books, um, which I'd really like you to pay attention to because they're very, very compelling. These are some of the books that were removed because of how compelling um, they were. For example, in the Book of Wisdom on Great Friday, Right, you're going to see almost word for word um, what went on that hour, where it says he says of himself that he is the son of God. He is not like us. He spurns our way, um, and so if God loves him, let him save him. Right, which is exactly word for word what we're going to end up reading in those um, in those sections. There's many places where it is beautiful. Wherever you see wisdom, we're referring to the logos. Okay, when you say even though it's a female pronoun. Um, it is referring to Christ the Logos. And that's why you'll see it says, Wisdom was there before the earth was established. Wisdom was by whom all things were created. Right? These are all referring to Christ. So pay attention to the readings. If you have questions, bring them. Um, especially the Chronicle works, which most people aren't familiar with, because other readings you might have read a lot at home. We also involve the homilies of a lot of our fathers. Right? St. Athanasius, St. Shenouda, the Archimandrite, St. Severus of Antioch, St. Severus of Gabala. Um, there's a whole bunch of saints we often don't read enough of in our lives, let alone in the church readings. So pay attention to those because those are a treasure as well, that people do their masters and PhDs translating those works today, right? Whereas they're part of our ritual and rubrics. Um, and the change in the rites bring us to focus only on the passion of Christ, right? That's why there's no funeral prayers. That's why on Sunday, tomorrow, after liturgy, we pray all of our funerals, hopefully no one passes away during the week, but if you did, you attended your own funeral, right? Um, now, in modern times, this isn't as big of a deal because we can preserve bodies, um, whereas before, usually somebody needs to be buried the same day. And so that's why this was a practical thing for the church to do for the people, because if somebody passed away, they had to be buried within 24 hours because they would immediately begin to rot. So that's why the church um, had this. There's no sacramental work other than the liturgies throughout the week, right? That is why um, Friday was unction. Um, today, Saturday, was usually when most people were baptized. Um, and so they would spend their first week in, 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 as a new Christian celebrating Holy Week in the church. So this would have been the baptism day for most people. Um, so that all baptisms would be done on Saturday. So we did unction, and then we did baptisms, and then on Sunday we did um, the burials, 
so we got everybody covered. Um, there's not supposed to be even confessions during the week. That's not supposed to be something that's done. Um, in economia, we allow it because for some people, this is the time of year where they're most able <laughs> to when they're at church. Um, and I'll address that tomorrow when we'll do confessions. Um, but even that is not supposed to happen. Um, so if you, if you can wait, then wait. Um, but if you have taken a long time to do it, then I would do it and don't worry about um, the rubric. But it's, again, bringing the whole church to be mindful only of one thing, and that is Christ um, alone. There are no saint commemorations, right? We don't remember anybody. We don't sing um, venerations. Like some years, great saints like St. Macarius, actually St. Macarius is this week, April 5th. Um, so even some of the greatest saints get completely ignored. One year is Metagirgis, so St. George. Um, there's no exceptions. Everybody is out um, during this week. There's also, which some people might be happy about, but there's no Egbeya um, during the Holy Week um, because the hours of the church are replaced with the canonical hours of the Holy Pascha, right? Instead of doing 12 psalms per hour, we sing Thok Tetigom, Thine is the Power, um, 12 times. And there's no prayer of reconciliation, for example, in the liturgy because that hasn't been affected. To show, affected, to show again that we're living in the moment with Him. So, some ways, some tips for you guys on how to, to benefit. It's up to you how seriously you want to take it. I encourage you to take it very seriously. Abuna back home used to always say, cover the TV. Most people watch on their computers or phones now. So, <laughs> cover your phone, cover your TV. Get rid of whatever it is that you're using to watch stuff. Like, cut out all of those things. Put up an icon of the crucifixion in your home. Um, do something. Make it different. Make something stand out. Right? If you have a prayer room or a prayer corner, decorate it accordingly. Put up the, the, the black if you want. Put up gold crosses. Do something that changes the mood even of your own home, that there's something different and something holy about this week. There's a Jewish custom that Mel Gibson has in The Passion um, that I didn't know about actually until that movie, where you see the scene where St. Mary and the other St. Mary are together, and one Mary asks the other, why is this night so different from any other? And she responds saying, it is because on this night that the Lord delivered us. That is a Jewish custom um, that they have for the Passover because when the Lord commanded that they make a memorial of it every single year, this became the custom. So they would say, when your kids ask you. So they would ask the question and then they would respond with, this is what uh, the Lord did. So you too, right, like make something different. So that also that your kids, even if they don't understand, say, what are we doing? Why is it different? Right, then you can explain Shut down completely um, to the best of your ability and be real about that. No texting, no internet, no social media, kill it. And I'm saying this having done it as a layperson, as a manager. Okay, you can, you can filter things out very easily. You can say I'm unavailable. You can make it only a work thing. It is possible to do, to make everything very, very focused, right? Is cut everything out completely um, so that you're focused on one thing and one thing only, and that's the Holy Week. Any sins that you're a slave to, obviously we all struggle with sin, but make an extra effort this week of saying, this is one week where I'm not going to do that. Right? We all have our beloved sins that we kind of let slide, that we don't like to deal with. Right? This is a week to not even allow um, those ones. Eat simply and aesthetically. Right? Don't go nuts. Okay? Even the agape meal here, keep it simple. Right? It's Holy Week, we don't need to, not that we're ever lavish here, but in general, even in your homes, don't have it lavish, don't be going to sips and don't be going to tofu house and getting the most like extravagant things. It's meant to be simple. 
like as simple as possible. Even many people will cut out completely desserts, for example, and sweets throughout the week. That's something you might want to consider doing, but change everything. The more that you change, the more you're feeling like there's something different, the more that it impacts you. If you're not able to come to all the services, read the readings at home, right? Or at work during your break, right? Go off to a park during your, your break or to a parking lot or to your car. Go somewhere where you won't be interrupted um, and, and, and read the readings. If you're at all the services, then read spiritual books at home. If you can't handle just sitting in silence, then, then read something edifying. Do matanyas, obviously the guidance of your spiritual father, but add some level of asceticism extra than what you're used to doing by doing prostrations, by maybe abstaining for longer hours um, than you're used to. Again, not without guidance, but something to consider. Um, make prayer lists, right? Maybe during the Kiralaisons, maybe during the litanies in the church, that you can remember the people you need to pray for, right? Do something active. Stop talking, right? Be more meditative. Don't talk a lot, okay? Try and be more silent throughout the week. And if you're all doing the same thing, it won't be weird. Okay, so talk less, pray more, meditate more, right? Keep it, keep it somber. I was almost considering asking during the heavy meal, which I won't be at, but of, of keeping a monastic tradition of having readings read um, while eating to keep the tone of the, of the church um, quiet, but that's completely optional. I won't enforce that. Um, that's for what to do at home or outside of the church. Within the church, every Pascha service that you can go to, go. Okay, take time off of work, take time off your clubs, take time off of your teams. I know somebody who, who knew when he was auditioning for a show that the show was going to be during Holy Week. And for that reason alone, even though he got, a, he got cast in the show, didn't end up taking the role because of how much he was not willing to not be at church during Holy Week. Right? So we can give up small things um, that really in the grand scheme of things are not that big. Bring your kids, okay? Don't use the excuse of, of, of sleep time and convenience and emotions or schedule. Like, break a little bit. I'm not saying go crazy, right? But break a little. Like, allow there to be some fatigue, that there be some sacrifice, because that's the whole idea, is that asceticism is a self-denial, right? So it might be inconvenient, maybe that maybe your child will be cranky, but it's, it's one week, okay? It's not uh, a month. Um, within the church... Bring your mind into every single reading, okay? Into the rites and the rubrics, the readings, the smells, the scents, the rites, the rubrics, right? All those things that we talked about. Immerse yourself in it so that you can try um, and understand it. Um, everyone is going to be given a Pascha book at the end of, of, of service. Have your book. I have mine in my, my office that I've been using the same one for literally 20 years, right? It's ripping and falling apart. Um... To, to use to enter into the Holy Week. I have writing all over it, and it's a nice thing, even for me, I have in brackets what year I wrote what, because I can see what I was like at 15, right? What I was like at 17, what I was like at 20, and that reading the same readings for the last 20 years, and every year there's something more and something deeper. Have your book, look at the Psalms, match the Psalms to the Gospel. Why is this Psalm placed here? Every single one of them is connected somehow to your reading. Okay, so that can be your exercise. Kepertu might be long, the psalm tune might be long. So you have lots of time to read those readings, to underline, to look for things. Bring pencils and pens, and I'll maybe have like cups of it here or something. Write in your book, okay? Um, underline things, find things, find connections, right? Go much more deeply into it. Match the prophecies of the Old Testament with what's going on with the New. Write for yourself at the top what was the theme, 
right? Like all those things come from your interaction for it. Make a project for yourself, right? Maybe it's to make a table of events of the whole week as you go along to start writing, okay, Monday's all about this, Tuesday's. So that next year, you now have a table and you already know Monday, Tuesday is this. And then the next year, you can have a new project of saying, what was the point of these prophecies, for example? And the next year could be, what is the benefit I can get from the Psalms? Bring your mind into it. Um, I definitely, definitely do not like people reading anything other than the church books during, and I mean the liturgical books, um, during the services. I know some people bring other books to read, but this is the liturgy of Holy Pascha, right? So we're coming to pray together. So it isn't the right time to do personal reading. Um, so that's what I'm saying. There's more than enough to read in the book, right? So that can be the thing um, to read. The litanies, which is classically when most people leave, um, is... The part where the church is saying, well, since we don't have liturgy, we don't have the services to pray for specific things, we bring it all together. So instead of like groaning at how long um, it is, it's about 10 minutes, um, why not pray for people, right? Like we're saying pray for the sick. Why not list off people who are sick, right? We're saying pray for those who are traveling. I'm sure many of us know people who are traveling, right? Pray for those people. If we're praying for stability of the government, pray for the government, Right? If we're praying for our, our leaders, ask God to give them grace and peace and wisdom. Right? If we're praying for our heart, there's, there's much to pray about. Okay? There's not, not a shortage of things to pray for. Okay? So bring your mind into those litanies and pray for those things and those people. Um, and you'll find that it goes by more quickly. And you'll also find that you enjoyed it because it wasn't something you were attending. It was something you were participating in. Um, no kissing or greetings from Tuesday onward. Um, instead of making fun of this, like is a weird custom, again, look at it more deeply of saying the church is actively trying to draw to your attention what really happened, right? To go more deeply. That something as simple as a greeting was used to betray, right? That we, things we take for, for, for granted. Imagine if, if, if your friend, like, uh, told the IRS that you were a fraud and comes up to you and gives you a big hug right, and then points to the FBI and says, it's that one, right, arrest them, right, something so trivial, imagine how hurt you'd feel, and this is our God, right, who his own disciple, one of his best friends, who was called and chosen above everybody else, right, stabs him in the back with a kiss, right, so this is why we're doing it, so instead of mocking it, because usually we'll do the fake greeting and all that, no, like have a, a somber attitude, right, of saying that this is something that we can um, meditate on. And, and indeed, bring your mind, even in the readings, to the characters, right? Look at St. Mary. Imagine what St. Mary would be feeling or thinking when she sees this happening to her son, especially the mothers, right? For the disciples. Think, imagine what it's like for the disciples, how confused they were at different points, how proud they were at different points, and how ashamed they were at different points. They had various ranges of emotion. Bring your mind into all of those. Um, two more points. Get into the hymns, okay? These are very, very, very deep hymns, especially Great Friday. Um, this is he. Um, even the introduction to the commentaries, the tunes help bring you into what is being said. Like even for example, this is he, starts off very pathetic, and pathetic in the true meaning of the word, not in a sarcastic way, right? And yet when we go for the plea, right, as a prayer, for the salvation, suddenly you find the whole tune changes. So you can meditate on the words and you can meditate on the tune, there's both. Um, there's some commentary books that the St. Paul Brotherhood put out. 
I had nothing to do with them. Um, Amma Krolos had, had worked on them when he was still a Buna John Paul. Um, but it has a lot of essays about those hymns. Um, so does CopticHeritage.org. We can post that. Um, under Albert's guidance, there's a lot of meditations written about different hymns. Um, those are valuable resources because then you can understand them um, better. On Great Friday, do as many matanyas as you can, like with, with, with whatever ability that you have. Everyone's going to have a different range. Um, don't worry about who's watching who. We're all supposed to be doing it so nobody's holy or less holy. Um, by their matanyas because it's something the whole church is doing. Right? If it was your personal piety, I'd say do it at home. But this is one of the few times we have public acts of piety. Okay, So everybody to participate in that. And really pray, Lord have mercy. Right? Like bring it out. Because the church is proclaiming redemption to the whole world. Right? That's why we thank him. Right? And then we proclaim his victory in all directions to the four corners of the earth. Right? Everything is very deep. Everything is very symbolic. I'll stop there. There's much more that could be said. Okay, we'll distribute the books to all of you after we, we wrap up the end of, of service hymn. May God bless the Holy Week for all of you and for myself. And may He be a time of renewal for us, for all our spiritual lives. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net that's www.stbasil.net or click on the link below when it will take you to our donations page you may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website we thank you for any contribution and may our lord jesus christ always bless your heart and home